Thank you. Well, we're turning in our Bibles for the penultimate time uh, to the book of Nehemiah. This is our second to last study. Uh, the book of Nehemiah, God willing, we'll study Nehemiah tonight. Next week, Colin will be along. And then in the Lord's will, the following week, uh, we will come to our final study in the book of Nehemiah. We've traveled through the book of Nehemiah. We've been discovering the importance of doing God's work and God's way. We come to chapter 12 this evening. And we're going to read from the verse uh, 27. You know, the people of Israel, the Jewish nation, have learned many lessons under the leadership of Nehemiah. And here as we turn to chapter 12, uh, they've reached the day, really, that they've all been waiting for. It's the dedication of these walls of Jerusalem. And that's what we're going to read about in tonight's passage. And there's been quite some journey to get to this point of the dedication of the wall. Many things have happened before this. We know Nehemiah was burdened. We know he stood back when he got to Jerusalem and he observed all that needed to be done. We know he then took time and devised a strategy. And of course, all of this was done in the spirit of prayer. Uh, we've seen a leader on his knees so often throughout this short book. And we've watched and learnt as Nehemiah and the people of God encountered many trials throughout this building project. There were enemies who tried to come in and threaten the progress of the work many times. But the people of God faced each trial, and with the Lord's help, they prevailed each time. And you know, as we seek to build the work here at Grange, I trust that something that will come out of this study, uh, as we seek to see God's work done here at Grange, that we realize there will be problems that come within and without. And, and the devil will seek to attack the work that is done here in Grange, but... We can see in the book of Nehemiah that the Lord prevailed each time as the people relied on him. How important that, is, that little line there is. The people relied on the Lord. They didn't rely on their own strength. They relied on the Lord to get through each of these trials. And the devil will seek to use individuals to sow division and discord among us. He will use those outside to attack what we do. And the devil, when he attacks, he doesn't always do it in the most obvious way. He doesn't come marching down the middle aisle. He, he does it subtly. And we must be aware of that. Of course, Nehemiah primarily was involved in the rebuilding of the walls. Uh, but we must see that both he and Ezra knew, once the walls were finished, the importance of teaching the people God's word. And the book of the law was publicly read each day. And there were times of prayer each day. And the people signed a covenant and a curse, promising that they would live Holy lies, of course, that curse part being, Lord, you curse us if we don't live for you. Quite a serious thing to pray and to sign to the people did that. Last week we saw how Nehemiah tried to encourage the people to move from the suburbs of Jerusalem, which were outside the city wall, into the city. And we saw how many of these people were unknown, but they went in and they were present. And what an encouragement it is when you're present at the meetings to your brothers and sisters unto me and not just that they were present but they volunteered their services to the Lord uh, they were willing to pack their bags and leave the suburbs and come into the city uh, in a sacrificial way and there were many roles and jobs that they did and they did them gladly and we learned that no matter what the Lord calls you to do whether you feel it's great or whether you feel it's small it's important to the Lord and it's remembered by the Lord now what we're seeing today, this evening in verse 27, is this dedication of the walls. 
And I've called this message a, a great praise service to remember. A great praise service to remember. Come with me to verse 27 and let's read through here together. We'll, we'll skip through for time's sake a number of verses and we'll highlight through as we go through. Verse 27, Nehemiah chapter 12. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries and with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country, round about Jerusalem and from the villages. Skip with me down to verse 30, please. Uh, verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. And then Nehemiah says in this passage, Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. Uh, verse 35, please. And it says, And certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, namely Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, and the son of Shemahiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, and the son of Zucker, the son of Asaph. Verse 36, near the end of that, it lists a list of names. And at the end of the verse, it says, All these people, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe before them, and at the fountain gate, which was over against them, and they went up by the stairs of the city of David, at the going up of the wall, above the house of David, even unto the water gate eastward. And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them. And I after them, and half of the people upon the wall, from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even onto the broad wall, and from above the gate of Ephraim, and above the old gate, and above the fish gate, and the tower of Hananil, uh, the son of Mea, even onto the sheep gate, and they stood still in the prison gate, so stood two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I, and the half of the rulers with me, uh, verse 42, please, just a sentence from verse 42 at the very end. And it says there, and the singers sang aloud. The singers sang aloud with Jezrehiah, their overseer. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also of the children rejoiced. Now, if you mark your Bible, I encourage you to mark this next statement. It says, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Isn't that remarkable? So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. You know, that's a great statement. Could you imagine if when we met on the Lord's day, or even when we meet on a Wednesday evening, if the sound of our voices could be heard around the Grange? You know, I remember, I've maybe told you this before, I apologize if I have, but I remember I attended uh, Muscle Road Baptist Church a couple of times when I was studying at Bible College in Edinburgh. There were a few of my friends from the college attended there, and from time to time, I would go along with them. And one thing that marked that church fellowship for me was the sound of their praise. There was no band, there was no flashing lights, but just voices, a couple of pianos, and acoustic guitar. But you couldn't even hear the piano and the acoustic guitar for the singing. It was, it was unbelievable. And there was a couple of times, us being students, we were running late. But it was a great experience. It seems strange to say that. 
You see, as you stepped out of your car in the car park, and sometimes you couldn't get parked close to the church, maybe the opening hymn was being sung, you could hear it out in the streets around Musselburgh. That's how loud they were singing. And it was beautiful. It was stunning to listen to the voices of God's people singing together. And you would go in and it was like walking into heaven. Maybe the closest you'll get to heaven on earth listening to singing voices. It was beautiful. And I just often think about that, that it's absolutely amazing. But verse 44, at the time uh, where some appointed over the chambers of the treasures for the offerings, for the first fruits, for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities, the portions of the law, the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. And both the singers and the porters kept the word of their God and the word of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief, there, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God and all of Israel and all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion and they sanctified holy things unto the Levites and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. We'll leave the reading there at verse 47 and we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. It seems in these days when we look out into the world around us that there is very little happiness or at least we could say that there's very little true happiness. Yet happiness is a sought after commodity. Uh, yet also it's the most elusive. Everyone wants it but it seems that few can achieve it. And some would go as far to say that happiness is almost extinct in this modern age. And if you go after the meeting into your news apps and your phone and look at the various headlines, you'll see uh, that there's an appetite for bad news today. There's very little good news about nothing to make us happy, it would seem. You can consider the economic scene around us. It doesn't promote our happiness. Uh, houses and property have been more expensive uh, you look at the moral scene around us and even think of crime rates seem to go up and up. Uh, you, you look at the sin round about us and you see people are delving into sins that wouldn't even have been mentioned uh, 20 or more years ago. And you could think think at times with all this bad news around us that we, uh, you think at times when we sit and we have all this bad news around us and we think we as the children of God, we're supposedly sitting here with the secret to joy and it's not meant to be a secret it's meant to be something that is displayed in our lives you think that this joy that we have within us would show in our manner it would show in our worship because we should be people who were living with this joy that those in the surrounding houses here in Grange that they point at us and they say the people in there they're joyful people you know there's a German philosopher once said scornfully about Christians he said this I would believe in their salvation if they looked a little bit more like they were saved people. That's scathing, isn't it? Do we look like people who are saved? Oliver Wendell Holmes said, I might have entered into the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted like undertakers. That's the way we can be sometimes. And we think that uh, holiness is to be portrayed as dour and depressing and dark manner and we have to be deadly serious all the time, barely breaking a smile. Another writer wrote this, he says, when one recalls that we are to rejoice in the Lord always, 
and then looks at the average Sunday congregation, he realizes that something is seriously going wrong since the day of Pentecost. Something has happened to us. What is it? Well, many of us have lost our joy. and We've lost our singing voice. I know that we've been going through Philippians and we've been speaking about the pursuit of joy. But I come this evening just to preach the passage that the Lord has put in front of me. And it's very clear that there's joy found in our passage. And here at the completion of the work of this wall, here when the people have been rededicated to the city, here, here they are, and we find this great praise service. And you know, for us, as we read God's word each day and commune with him, it should build up within us a desire to come to God's house, to gather with his people and to worship his name. Bill Gaither wrote that hymn. Elsie played it before the service last week. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my life to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Every day or every need, he is supplying plenty, plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my way gets brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The opening verses beginning here at verse 27 give elements that make up true celebration. The elements of this great praise service. Read the verse with me again. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought, out the, they sought the Levites out of their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country, round about Jerusalem and from the villages. Now let me quickly make this point before I say anything else from this passage this evening. Whilst we do not believe that we're to be like ostriches that stick our heads in the ground and pretend everything is always okay, and when our hearts are breaking, it's not expected that we're always running around with a smile and singing choruses and telling people we're as happy as the day is long. There's a reality to this, and I understand this tonight, because there are those who go through the trial, and sometimes it is hard to sing. And sometimes it is hard to express the happiness we have. And we're not to be ignorant of the stark realities of life. But neither are we to be the personification of the grim reaper. And look as if we've no joy in our hearts at all. Does the gospel of Christ really ask for this? And as we look at Nehemiah 12, and as we see that although things have been hard, and remember that for some of these people, they've just packed their bags and left their luxurious homes in the suburbs and come into the urban life in Jerusalem, and it's cost them everything. And although things had been difficult and they'd been fighting and, and the building took a long time because there was great oppression, when these walls were finished, there was joy. When it came to the day of the dedication of these walls, there was celebration. And I want to tell you this evening that celebration ought to be a characteristic of the child of God. And I want you to see two aspects. That's all I want you to see tonight that happened at this dedication service. And it's nothing new because we've learned these lessons over and over again in the book of Nehemiah. The first thing that we see here at this great praise service was the rededication to holiness. Now, I don't, I don't want to say a lot on this point because I feel this topic we've covered thoroughly in recent times. But, but I want you to note verse 30. The priests and the Levites purified themselves, purified the people and the gates and the wall. They purified themselves, 
They purified the people and the gates and the wall. Now, if you haven't got this, we have spent so much time speaking about holy living throughout the month of January. And again, I say to you this evening, I'm preaching the passage in front of me. I'm not coming with an agenda. I'm preaching the verses in front of me. Please get this tonight. You've got to understand. If you want to be happy as a Christian, and if you want to know the joy of the Lord, you've got to be pure because holiness precedes happiness. The people didn't just say, oh, the walls are built now. Let's have a party and let's have a great celebration. The first thing that was done before a note was sang, before a note of praise was done, before the joyous festivities started, the first thing that was done was the priests came and they cleansed themselves and they cleansed the people and they cleansed the wall and they cleansed the gates. And can I ask you, when you come together here as an assembly of God's people, when you come to worship here on the Lord's Day, when you come here on a Wednesday evening, just before you come, do you ever pause for a moment and just ask the Lord to help you and speak to you and forgive you and cleanse you and prepare your heart for worship? Do you ever do that? I know I'm guilty at times of rushing in. And I know that each of us in our busy lives, the children, you're sorting them before you come out to the meeting. Maybe you're running a bit behind and you rush out. Or that we would just pause at times and consider that we're coming into the courts of our God. One businessman was asked on an occasion, what's the secret to your happiness? And the answer surprised the person who questioned this man because the businessman said very simply, the important thing is to be content with one's lot, provided it's a whole lot. That's the way people live their lives today. Provided I've got a whole lot, I'll be happy. A lot of money, a lot of fame, a lot of success, a lot of education, a lot of pleasure, a lot of food, drink, immoral relationships, luxury, amusement, you name it. The world's perception of happiness is get a lot of it. And I'll be fine. The Bible says holiness equals happiness. To not have the things of the world or desire them, the material things, those things which the sinful world look for for pleasure. God's word says if you want to be happy, you've got to be holy. The psalmist said in Psalm 24, Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Him that hath clean hands and a pure heart. In Psalm 16, he says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me tell you, God's right hand there is holy. It's holy. And if you're going to get there and enjoy all those pleasures that God has for you, you need to be seeking and striving to live a life that is holy unto the Lord. The value, you see, let me make this point. There would be no value to dedicating this wall if there wasn't a dedicated people. If you understand that, we could build 20 churches, church buildings, and they could be state-of-the-art architecture, the best you've ever seen. And at those church buildings, you could say, Lord, you use that church building and you move within it and, and you, you do all the things. But if that church building doesn't have God's people within it, 
who are dedicated to him, to living holy lives, well, the building is useless. And a building might be set apart and say that it's holy, but it's no use unless there's a holy people found within, a people striving to live for the Lord. And that is the point here. That is why before any of the festivities start, that the priests come in and they cleanse, because holiness equals happiness. Let's very quickly make this practical before we move on. How do we purify ourselves? Well, in the New Testament, it's a simple process. It's not by ritual, but by confessing our faults and believing that God has forgiven them. And I'm speaking to the child of God when I say this. You know, we ought to keep short accounts with the Lord. We know that. We ought to admit them. We ought to not hide them or blame somebody else for them. If we have sinned, we shouldn't gloss over our sin. We should confess them to the Lord, not only to God, but if we have wronged somebody, we ought to put it right with them. Then believe that God does cleanse you and forgive you when you confess that sin. Remember how John simply puts it in his letter in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word is true. So if we daily find occasions to admit our weakness and our faults and our ugliness and our short temper and our unhappy words, we can immediately receive from God that gift of forgiveness that Christ purchased at the cross of Calvary for us. As the children of God, we do feel him. Now that little verse so often is used wrongly in the gospel. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That was written to the child of God. Because we wrestle with our sinful nature. We've said enough on this. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. But how important that rededication to holiness was before they came to worship. But I also want you simply this evening to note the joy at the praise service. The joy. One of the primary elements of true celebration is an expression of joy. And as we look again at verse 27, the Holy Spirit has been careful to include in these, this account this this this. this aspect of true celebration that we find its joy and in verse 27 it says the Levites were brought to Jerusalem and look at that wee line it says in the verse to keep the dedication with gladness isn't that lovely to keep the dedication with gladness do you see that word gladness it just literally means in the Hebrew pleasure and delight they were delighted to be there there was great pleasure for them to celebrate the finishing of the wall and the building of Jerusalem. And it goes on to say that they praised God with hymns of thanksgiving and songs that were accompanied with cymbals and, and harps and all these different instruments. Later on in the passage, we read of there being trumpets being played. And this was a great company of people who had gathered. And then it says that the sons of the singers, they were assembled uh, from the district around about Jerusalem. That's in verse 28. Uh, and these were all these specialists in the field of praise and worship in the Old Testament. Uh, and they came together and the idea was that they would get the people worshipping and praising the Lord. Uh, and really the, the picture that you see here is the people are saying to these, these who came in and these people who came to worship the, the, the Levites and all these singers that came about. They're saying to the people are saying to the Levites, lead us in this happy celebration towards God. And let us, and it's not a sin, by the way, let us enjoy ourselves praising God. Let us enjoy it. Let us enjoy magnifying his name and celebrate what the Lord has done for us. 
You know, there were two companies of choirs. And in verse 31 we read that the first great company or choir proceeded to Nehemiah's right towards the gate at the bottom of the city, the dung gate. And then in verse 38 it says that there was a second group, a second choir that proceeded left. And Ezra went with the first choir and Nehemiah went with the second choir. So I wonder, can you picture the scene here? There's these two great companies of choirs, one led by Nehemiah, one led by Ezra. And they begin to march around the walls of Jerusalem in opposite directions. And they're singing praises to God and they're worshipping God on their way to where? On the way to the temple. You see, what would happen was these two great groups, they would move in praise and thanksgiving to God, marching around the wall, and eventually these two great groups would come together there at the temple, and they worshipped, and there was this great crescendo of praise right at the very end. Let me ask you, and I thought about this picture, and I was thinking, how do we apply this to our own lives? Well, here were these two great groups and they, they were on their way to God's house to worship him and, and they met in the middle with this great crescendo. Can I ask you, how, what's your attitude like when you're going out the door? When your neighbour looks at you, do they know you're coming to the Lord's house? Do they see an excitement, a, a worship, a, a, a joy? When you're coming here, do you feel that excitement or is it just, oh, it's part of the routine and we're here again? Here were these two choirs on their way to God's house. And they were worshipping. And they were in thanksgiving. And then they came together just as we are this evening. And we've came together as a company of God's people. And already we've sang praises to God. Rejoice and be glad. The Redeemer has come. Sound his praises. Tell the story. That's what we've sang this evening. And we have a great saviour. When we come together to worship and lift praises to his name. And it should excite us to come to his house. And to meet with his people. And to sing praises. And you see the people here in their instrument. They've got their cymbals. They've got their lyres. They've got their trumpets. And they're playing and they're singing. Singing and they're magnifying God. I tell you it was a praise service to remember. I'm telling you. Sadly it probably wouldn't resemble any of today's average church services would it? Verse 43, look at it. This is the one that I said, if you mark your Bible to underline the line, so the joy of Jerusalem was even heard afar off. Now note, note this, it's important. It doesn't say the music was heard afar off. It says that it was their joy, the joy of Jerusalem. And it would have been the people's voices that were heard. The joy, not the music. It was the joy of the, 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 the people of God's heart. And my question that I must ask you is, when people look upon us, when they gather with us, when the unsaved person gathers in this place, do they see the joy of the Christian heart as we sing? I want you to note that the people, as they gathered and the two choirs came together, they sang together in one voice. And as they sang there at the temple, it was this place of communion. And they were one with each other. And it was a place of relationship. And it was a place of renewal where they came together and they were praising God and they were lifting up their song. And the praise of, and when we praise the Lord together in song, it uplifts us. Praise releases. And praise prepares us for what's ahead. I wonder if you ever stood in a room full of God's people who are singing their hearts out all together and they're lifting the roof off in praise. Does it not thrill, thrill your soul when you see that? 
You see, when they sang, they were encouraging themselves because they were reminded of how God had been so faithful to them through the trials of building this wall. How God had led Nehemiah and used Nehemiah and he came and there's Nehemiah among the people and Ezra among the people and they're turning back to the Lord and they're not saying this is Nehemiah's doing. They're saying this is God's doing and we will worship him and we will praise him because my God is a faithful God and I'm going to lift my voice to him. And you know as the church gets together this evening There's a very special presence of the Lord when his people gather together. Therefore, I love meeting with God's people because we pray together and we sing together and we study God's word together and we encourage each other and we strengthen each other. And there's just something so special about when God's people get together and worship round his word and sing praises and pray together. Dear brother and sister to the Satan, and God wants to hear your voice, praise him. So let me ask, I wonder do we need to lift our voice again? I wonder have we lost our song individually? As a church fellowship, have we lost our vibrancy? We lost our life, lost our joy, lost our attractiveness to A world that looks in and looks for an example of joy and happiness in Christ. Can the joyful sound of praise be heard from Green's Baptist? Because out there in those streets there's people and they're lost and they're set and they're on their way to a lost eternity. And when they look at us, if they don't see a people who are glad to be saved and showing it and rejoicing, If we're not that witness, I trust that we won't be a stumbling block to people around. I wonder, do we need to find our voice of joy in worshipping the Lord with pure hearts? The secret to a great praise service is a company of God's people who are seeking to walk with him with pure hearts. Lifting their voices in praise. You know how to get to that point, don't you? Lift your eyes from your own circumstances. John 20 verse 20 we read these words. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Dear believer, lift your eyes above your own circumstances. And lift them to the Lord again. And I'll tell you, when you lift your eyes to the Lord, you'll seek to live a life for him. And you won't even need to think about being glad. You will be. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we bow again in thy most holy presence. And Father, we thank you that we have a God who has done so much for us. You've saved us. Father, you're with us each step of the way. Father, you're the one who can give us that joy even in the most difficult circumstances in life. 
And Father, we can look back over our paths. And Father, we have sang this evening, great is thy faithfulness. But Father, we affirm that you have been faithful to us. And so, Father, you have given us great reason to worship you in spirit and in truth, to lift praises to your name, to rejoice and be glad. And so, Father, we pray that we will gladly come to your house and worship you. We pray that we will gladly come this evening with praise in our hearts. We even pray, Father, that as we come to this time of prayer, that, Father, we won't just come with our shopping list of requests. But, Father, that we would be reminded to worship you and to be thankful to you that, Father, you have been so faithful to us. Father, we bow before you now and we do ask that you will continue to make your presence known with us this evening. Father, as we come to this time of prayer, that, Father, we would come, yes, with rejoicing hearts. But, Father, we realise there are many in our assembly who have needs at this time. And Father, we come asking that you would hear our prayer. Father, as we come to this prayer list just now, we pray that it wouldn't just be a list that we hear each week and maybe just pray on a Wednesday evening. But Father, we pray that, you, that we would take it to our hearts. And that, Father, we would pray, that we would pray in our own personal times for our brothers and sisters here at Grange. Bless us, Father, we pray. And we ask this in our Saviour's name. Amen.